Hello, what's up? Welcome back, everybody. How's it going? Hope everyone is doing well. Uh, welcome back to another weekly update. Today is Sunday, October October eleventh. So reporting on the news from the last week, we've got lots to talk about. Great lineup today. Very excited. Uh, one of which, obviously, is going to be the vice president debate, the VP debate, which was very interesting. Um, again, if you watched it, great. If you didn't, no worries. I got you. I will summarize it perfectly for you. No, you should actually watch it. It was very informative. Um, have some other little topics to comment on today. It's going to be a great episode. We're going to keep it short and snooey, sweet and snappy. I'm already having issues talking, which is a great sign. It's fine. We're going to get better at it. Second thing to note is my downstairs neighbor really likes to play music loudly. I think he's a DJ or she and, and likes to have parties. Who knows? So I apologize if you hear a distant bass bumping. I can't afford a, you know, lit studio yet. So soon, soon we will be there. But for now, you have to deal with some um, audio issues. So just uh, bear with me and just focus on the content, please. And we'll be fine. Okay. Awesome. So let's hop right in. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. I'm Belle Solonat, and you're listening to 100% BS. So the VP debate. Overall, I think it was pretty darn good, uh, especially comparing to the previous or two weeks, three weeks ago now, when we had the uh, presidential debate, and that was just something else. This this had a lot more content and was a lot easier to understand each candidate's values and their their approach to policies, etc. Overall, I think they both made great points. They were both very well uh, well spoken. You can tell they both prepared a lot, but I would say the winner of prep was probably Mike Pence. I uh, he was just boom had everything super prepped. Maybe that's weird how prepped it was and he's a robot. Dude, I don't know. He's was so calm and collected. It was a little intense, but kind of impressive. So anyways, um, they, they prepped a lot and it was very, very full of lots of uh, well thought out responses to questions, etc. So it's kind of great because now it really comes down to um, how your values and beliefs line up against theirs. So kind of might be helpful for people who were unclear before about which candidate uh, and which um, ticket they wanted to vote for. So, you know, just for one example, they talked about COVID and, and their separate approaches or their general approach. So, for example, if you think uh, the COVID approach should be to let citizens make their own decisions uh, and, you know, be able to go out and kind of put the responsibility into the, into the citizens, as Pence put it, then probably Trump-Pence might be better for you. Or if you think that the U.S. should have more mandates and, and more of a lockdown or, or hasn't handled it well, then probably you might agree more with what Kamala was saying. So, by the way, it's Kamala. I shit. I'm probably gonna mess it up at least once or twice or four times in this episode. Just I'm. I know how to properly pronounce it, but mid sentence when the heat is going, it's. I might mess it up. So just forgive me. So yeah. Um. Basically, the overall vibe is that both did well, had really good arguments, were well executed for the most part. But I will say this. Um. 
Kamala kind of gave off that insincere Hillary vibe. Hot take, hot take. I don't know. That's just like my initial gut reaction was it was just that weird like fake looking smile that kind of turns evil depending on how the light hits it. It was a little it just every once in a while her smile was just a little a little threw me off. But I mean to be fair, Pence was also kind of really stone cold and like so collected that it was a little weird. But I mean Pence was just so calm and collected that you could probably insult his entire family, make like an abortion joke, and he would just calmly reply and 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 just you know respect you for your opinions uh and move on i don't know he just was so calm it was kind of crazy um the general consensus i would say is that pence won the debate that's what i gathered of course you know unless you get your news from cnn then kamala won and biden also has zero health problems but here on 100 percent bs we do not report on fairy tales so we're not going to go with that story. But anyway, essentially, yet again, I don't think anyone was truly swayed. Like, I do think their responses were pretty in line with the typical left versus right stance on certain issues. But I think definitely people took note of Pence and his demeanor being very calm and collected. He even literally had a fly land on his head, which obviously didn't know there was there, but that was just a whole thing of the internet. And then... Kamala had her moment where she got tons of praise online for saying, I'm speaking, Mr. Vice President. I'm speaking. I'm speaking. That was a good moment for her. Uh, If you saw it happen live, you immediately got flashbacks and PTSD from when you got in trouble with your teacher and she was she really wanted to yell at you but she had to stay calm and smile through the whole thing even though she really wanted to whip your ass. You know, that's at least... Maybe I had a different um, schooling experience, but I was a little scared. Um, I mean, honestly, though, good for Kamala standing her ground, like, you know, not letting Pence interrupt her too much. I will say, I don't think it was mansplaining. I I think he was just interjecting because he thought that what she was saying was wrong. It's called a conversation. I think it's a normal part of that. I don't know. But I mean, okay. Anyway, basically, Kamala, she got her Yas Queen moment. Good for her. She didn't let herself get walked over. I think that's great. And I definitely do think there is a double standard for women in terms of interruptions. And if you stand your ground or stand up or say something like, I'm speaking, then someone will probably call you a bitch. I mean, it's, yeah, this double standard is there. And if you look at the uh, presidential debate, probably when Trump interrupted Biden or said something potentially rude, people were like, oh, what a savage, you know, if you're, if you like Trump or you like how he did in the debate, for example. So definitely double standard there, I will say. But also, like, Kamala is kind of... I don't know. I'm definitely scared of her, which is fine. You know, she just, she's very smart and powerful. I would not fuck with her, which maybe is a good thing. Maybe that's what we need in the office. You know, bitch that doesn't take any shit, you know, good for her. Uh, I just think it's that crazy smirk that she had going and like Pence would be talking and she would just kind of be side eyeing him and like giving him these looks and smiling and shaking her head. It was just, it was a whole vibe. Maybe you're into that for her and good for her. I personally was just kind of distracted by it and felt this, this weird insincere vibe. I think it's just, I think psychologically when someone smiles almost too much, 
that it doesn't feel genuine, it throws you off, right? Like in a conversation, if you're talking about serious things, like they're literally in a debate about serious topics and someone is just excessively smiling, it seems weird. But then maybe we're being hypocritical because there's this whole um, annoying thing that we're, we tell women to smile more to make them more likable and now she smiles and we're like, she's a bitch, you know? I don't know. But that's just my honest take, which I'm here to just give you my honest, unfiltered opinion, you know? So, yeah. But, you know, in all seriousness, the debate was actually very informative. I think it definitely helped people understand each candidate a bit more and, you know, their 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 president's approach. That was definitely good. They also touched on things like healthcare, which again, depending on your ideal healthcare plan or approach to healthcare, that can help you make a decision as well for which ticket you would like to vote for. Um, I really loved that last question about the girl, I think it was like the eighth grader asking how, uh, how can we as a country and its citizens get along if our leaders can't get along, which girl, what a good question. I mean, seriously. The amount of divisiveness and and attacking each other that just comes from the leaders, like this girl's onto something. Um, and I thought Pence actually gave a really nice answer to that. I felt like it was kind of nice how he explained that you know that politicians and people in government can disagree, and that's kind of part of the American spirit of you can disagree on issues, but in the end we're all friends. And I think he gave examples of uh, like the the Justice Amy. Oh my god, I'm gonna I'm gonna have this up. Barrett, the Justice Barrett, I think is her name. I should know this. Um, and and the Justice Scalia that passed away, basically saying how he he explained, you know, people disagree and that's okay. That's part of, you know, also the the freedom of America and freedom of speech and being able to say what you think is other people will disagree and that's okay. I actually really liked his answer. Um and then Kamala's I think was pretty good. I don't remember it being as memorable. But again, I thought that was a a good question. They both give pretty solid answers. It was definitely was a good opportunity for each of them to explain something that's like not really related to politics. Um, and I think Kamala talked about the event that happened in Charlottesville with, you know, a lot of racial tensions and how citizens are fighting, et cetera. And so, God damn it. Okay, sorry, there was a fly I got distracted because I can't think in a straight line. Okay. What was I saying? The the great the the great question about the politicians fighting uh, and both Kamala and Pence I think gave solid answers. I was particularly impressed by Pence's answer. Um, again, maybe I was just like so hypnotized by his calm demeanor that I paid attention to it more. Who knows? Anyway, they also both definitely avoided some questions, which was probably strategic. Honestly, like if you if your stance on something is really polarizing, then maybe you avoid the question so that you don't lose certain groups, for example. Definitely Pence avoided some questions on abortion, uh, which again, I think his view is generally pro-life. So that's going to turn away people who disagree with that approach. Um, and, And same with Kamala. I noticed, I think people were saying that Kamala would just start like rattling off things about her past accomplishments and and talk about like Joe Biden kind of as if as if it was her first love. It was like, I mean, that's great. I'm really happy that they get along so well and that Kamala really loves Joe, especially that's such a 180 from the debates earlier this year uh, or last year, you know. But anyway, 
they both avoided questions for sure. And, um, but I think that's normal. I think it's a strategic thing to do because, you know, you are, they're being strategic about, about voters and people watching and they know which, which topics are more, more polarizing than others. So yeah, all in all, I'd say it was a pretty productive debate. It was a lot more clear which candidate had certain beliefs and approaches to key policies, et cetera. Um, I, I think it was definitely very helpful for viewers who were unclear on Kamala or Pence's um, stance on, on certain issues. So now it kind of just comes down to who you agree with more and who you think has your best interests at heart, you know? So it's kind of just if you are right-leaning and, and, you know, agree with some of Pence's stance on XYZ, but you like Kamala, uh, her, her stance and approach on this other policy, now I think you have a bit more context and understanding of who is doing what, and maybe you can understand their intentions more. Again, I think I spoke last week about how it's also hard because of just the nature of politics and politicians and that they are going to say things somewhat in a performative manner because they want to get votes and it's hard to know truly deeply it's hard to know if deep deep down they really mean these things or what their true intentions are but that's just kind of the nature of the game I think um but overall I I was satisfied with the debate and I thought it was pretty informative um and you know all jokes aside I think they both did a good job like you can from there basically decide if you dislike Pence for some reason, if you like Kamala better because of another reason, etc. So that was pretty good. Uh, from a less serious perspective, though, I learned a few interesting things about the P- Pence-Trump relationship. They definitely make uh, a good team, you know? They really balance each other out. Got a, re- They make a really great couple, honestly, whether they're aware of it or not. They've got this whole good cop, bad cop thing down really well. You know, you've got one guy who is just never prepared, talks totally out of his ass, hurls a lot of insults, definitely did not pass communications 101 in college for sure. And then the other guy is so polite, the most prepared, is always very calm and collected, you know, probably knows how to treat a lady unless we're treating her equally. But, you know, he's nice, so I guess that's good. Um, And, you know, in terms of appearance, they really are the total package. They complete each other. Trump has the fluffy, messy hair that blows uncontrollably in the wind, and he definitely takes more selfies, given he's perfected the the pouty lip. He's always doing the pouty lip, so he's definitely the the selfie queen of the couple. Uh, And then his boy Pence has, like, the slickest, use the whole fucking bottle of hair gel kind of hairstyle. Not a single strand will move on that head of hair. Like, potentially not real hair. It was kind of, probably the first thing I noticed when Trump, when Pence stepped on stage, I was like, that motherfucker's hairdresser what used way too much gel like so much gel that it literally became a spider web because that poor fly landed on it and couldn't leave i mean either that's like something to be uh, to aspire to or just get a different hairdresser clearly the makeup and hair artists on the trump pence campaign need work because you've got trump with excessively orange skin and floppy hair that doesn't stay in place and then you've got pence polar opposite who's got the stickiest hair and no movement of hair and then like really pale white skin. There's balance in here, I think. So that's what I'm saying. They balance each other out. I mean, good for them. But honestly, I'm just, 
I'm a little bit thankful that Trump has Pence in a way because I can just hear him in the situation room being like, Donald, Donald, we talked about this. We said we were going to have a conversation before we give another executive order. Donald, Donald, don't touch that red button. You know, that's only for emergencies. It's not like your tweets. And then, you know, Donald will give Mike like a, a lip pout and then behave or something. That's my theory of their relationship. Who knows? I don't know. And you can, you know, it's up uh, for your interpretation what you think of each of those men. So anyways. Okay, well, that's your review of the debate. Um, same as last week, I highly recommend watching Crystal and Sauger's take uh, because they always provide a great analysis. And um, I will link uh, their video of that on the YouTube video as well as any other topics or any other uh, things I reference in this video will be linked in the YouTube video. So head over to YouTube if you want to read more of the stuff I'm referencing. So next, speaking of news and media, which is just such an such a common topic. I should really get more diverse anyways. So I found this fascinating study done by the Pew Research Center that looked into how certain media diets impact a consumer's perspective. And although the findings aren't necessarily shocking or surprising, I do think it's another reminder of how important it is to diversify your source of news that you consume, your sources of news that you consume, and be aware of the impact that certain news outlets can have on your worldview. So I will share a couple of the findings. Again, I'll link this in the YouTube video description. Um, and I'll, I'll put a screenshot for those of you watching. So I'll share a few of the findings. So this is an excerpt and then I'll talk about the chart. So uh, the headline of this section was, or the, the header of this section is major partisan gaps on key perceptions of the pandemic among Republicans, large differences by media diet. So they're essentially referencing how, um, the difference between Democrat versus Republican views on the pandemic and how those are also affected by the media they consume. So overall, 61% of adults say the U.S. has not controlled the COVID-19 outbreak as much as it could have, compared with 37% who say it has. Inside those numbers is a stark partisan divide. About two-thirds of Republicans and independents who lean Republican, 68%, say the U.S. has done about as much as it could in controlling the outbreak. That view is held by only one in 10 Democrats, including independents who lean dem Democratic, uh, 11%. Um, so then if you look at this chart, it's fascinating. So basically, I recommend you look at the article because it's, it's a visual thing. I'm trying my best here to describe it. But basically, the gist is that among Republicans or people who lean Republican and who mainly consume only Fox News or talk radio, 90% of them agree that the U.S. has controlled the outbreak as much as it could have versus 9% who think that the U.S. has not controlled it as much as it could have. Then you look at Democrats or people who lean Democrat uh, and who use only MSNBC, CNN, NPR, New York Times, or Washington Post. It's literally polar opposite. It's 97% think that the U.S. has not controlled the outbreak as much as it could have, and only 3% think that the U.S. has controlled it as much as it could have. So this is a crazy difference when you think about it, because this is essentially showing you that depending on the news 
source that you consume and your political leaning, because it's obviously mixed, that's going to affect largely your view of how this pandemic has been handled. Which when you see that stark of a difference that it's like at least 90% lean one way or the other, it's a bit alarming because I think it really shows you that A, that news source is very clearly painting of a specific story that's really different from the opposing news source, right? Like CNN, for example, is painting a story that the U.S. has not handled the pandemic well at all, and Fox is painting a story that they have handled it well, right? And then, of course, you throw in their people's um, uh, political party leaning and which party that they associate with or they agree with and how that completely changes your worldview. So, I, essentially what I took from this is that both your political party and the news you consume are obviously going to greatly impact your perception of the world. And, you know, of course, everyone is entitled to align with either political party. And, it, you know, it's it's not the political party that's the issue, really. I think basically it's what it shows you is that we should be aware of how much our media, media diet and our political leaning is going to skew our perspective, right? And this is important because we want to be able to understand the world with clarity and hopefully in an objective manner and to be able to understand other people who have different perspectives. And I'm sharing this because I believe it serves as a reminder to be aware of what you're consuming and how much that is going to shape your worldview and to consider that certain media outlets are definitely causing polar opposite views. You know, for just example, like the U.S. has handled the pandemic and think about any other big example of a polarizing topic, that news source is swaying your view, which of course you are in charge of your viewpoint. But I think, you know, you can't undermine how important it is what you consume and how that shapes your worldview and so i thought it was interesting because i think it serves as a wake-up call to just make sure that you are consuming a variety of news sources and using critical thinking skills to question the news source that you are seeing the news that you're consuming and think about what motivates that source right so do you think that they are presenting the news in a biased way is it possible that they uh, are using clickbait style headlines or, or trying to just get more eyeballs so they can charge advertisers more. And these are all important questions to ask, especially for um, sources like CNN or Fox that are just very clearly left or right leaning. And just consider if this is the best place to get your news, if you know going into it that they are going to shape the story to make it more favorable to their party, right? So like, we, we want to be able to look objectively at these situations. And earlier in this episode, I made a joke about how um, the only place that Kamala won the debate was on CNN, right? And again, it's, it's partially a joke, but there's some truth in that, in that it's important to recognize a place like CNN is going to skew the news a bit to make it seem favorable to the left-leaning audience or even to like people who are interested, uh, interested parties in CNN, right? So... The other further uh, thought experiment with this is that this could even apply to, say, CNN's fact-checking, okay? So think, like, if you read through their fact-checking of the VP debate, for example, I, I read through a few of them, and some of them are well done. You know, they, they call out either an interview where the candidate said something else or a piece of evidence from a other event, etc. But in some of them, you can sense 
that some of the evidence they pull does have room for interpretation and could be argued either way. So when we're thinking about, again, the news sources that we're consuming from and how they are presenting the information, you want to remember what their motive is and what their audi- who their audience is and just their tendency to lean left or right on certain issues. And, and that is going to affect how they look at certain situations, right? If you go on CNN, Kamala won the debate. But if you go on Fox, obviously Pence probably won, right, in, in their eyes. And then you, you look through fact-checking, which is supposed to be this really important piece of the world we live in today because it's so easy to have misinformation and, and you know, parts of the debate that each candidate, you know, the candidate could have lied about something. But you read through the CNN ones and you can just see that the piece of evidence, you know, like there are there are true facts, of course, but sometimes there's situations that are open to interpretation, right? So I think that's just really important to consider um, when we talk about what news you're consuming. And so anyway, I'm I'm personally very fascinated with the impact of news and mainstream media on our perspective of the world. And I, I think it's important to just remain critical of the news, any news that we consume, um, and just, you know, ask ourselves these questions about the news source, about what they're presenting, if they have a certain audience that they want to always keep engaged, you know, are they being very clickbaity with their headlines, even with the stories? Etc. Um, and that's why I always recommend someone like Crystal and Sager because I think they do a great job of of objectively presenting the news for the most part. Of course, there there are exceptions because they're only human and everyone has their uh, their specific outlook on the world and their perspective and, and the beliefs that they bring in to what they report. Um, but yeah, th- this study was fascinating. It was done really recently, right before Trump was um, tested positive for COVID. And I'll share the link in the YouTube video. You should definitely, uh, I recommend scrolling through it and looking at these charts. Some of them are, are just really, really interesting to see how if you only, if these people only consume Fox, then they think this way. And if they consume CNN or MSNBC, et cetera, they think another way. And again, like I said, it's just a, a reminder to be objective and critical about the news we're consuming and to just diversify, Right. Try not to just get your news from one single source and, and accept that as the truth or the you know the only reality. I think you need to look at other sources and look at sources that you don't agree with. Look at you know alternative news sources, not just the big major networks. You know, yeah. So it's fascinating. Definitely take a look through. I think it's really interesting. And again, as we approach the election, or you just you know we live in such a divisive world where. People really disagree on a lot of things. So I think it's important where you're getting information from and remembering to be uh, critical and ask questions and be objective about that news. So um, lastly, I have a recommendation for a really great nature documentary that I watched this weekend. It's on Apple TV. If you don't have it, use a friend's login. I really highly recommend it. It's called The Elephant Queen. It was truly amazing. Very well done. Just beautiful cinematography, beautiful storyline, beautiful cinematography, beautiful storytelling, and actually very funny and entertaining throughout the whole thing. Plus, I learned so much from it. It was just so beautiful. It's basically a story about um, this herd of elephants that's like a family and how they're dealing with the drought, etc. 
very moving, very touching, roller coaster of emotions, but also just such great educational value. Um, so I was going to share a fun fact that I learned from this documentary that is so random, but so cool. Okay. So basically where they are in Africa, they, they, there are watering holes like after it rains a lot. And so the watering holes are very muddy and there's fish that actually live in the watering hole. And so the fish lay their eggs in the mud at the watering hole. And then because it rains and it doesn't rain for a while, it's everything dries up. So when it dries up, the elephants come to the watering hole and they use the mud as sunscreen. And then because the fish laid the eggs in the mud, the eggs stick onto the elephants and they can apparently, the the fish eggs can stay dry for weeks. So then the elephants get to the next watering hole because they're in search of water because they need to survive. And the fish get transported via elephant to the next watering hole. And then when they the elephants take a bath in the watering hole, the eggs come off and the fish are born in another watering hole. That is so nuts. Like I did not, ha- that's so random and so weird, but like what a cool fact. They just evolved in a way that they knew that the elephants would transport them to the next watering hole because if not, like they maybe would just wait and they don't know if that region is going to rain or what. Anyways, you should watch this documentary because it was just fascinating and there's tons of interesting facts, fun facts in there that are great conversation starters or podcast topic ideas. So yeah, um, that is it for this weekly update. This one was a little bit longer. I will link all of these articles and everything I talked about, any um, other things I think you should check out in the YouTube description. So if you're listening on a podcast platform, head on over to my YouTube channel, which I will link below in the podcast description, and you can check these out. Um, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for tuning in. If you like the show, please give it a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and share it with your friends. I hope everyone has a great week. And as usual, please feel free to DM me or comment below, etc. cetera, uh, your thoughts for this week. And I always am accepting um, article ideas. DM me something on Instagram that you think I could be that could be interesting to talk about. I'll, I'll look through it and decide whether or not I touch on it, but I always appreciate the suggestions. Even if you don't see me comment on it, I do look at them and I appreciate them. So that's about it for this week. That's it. I have nothing else to say. Um, have a great week, everybody. And um, yeah, my one tip is remember to be to be aware of the news source you are consuming and try your best to stay objective and ask important questions and just keep your mind open and ready for anything. Okay, awesome. Well, I am out of here. Peace out. Have a great week. See you later.